Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. Welcome to Nerdette Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Seigel. I am Greta Johnson here with Trisha Bobita and Peter Seigel. Hey, guys. Hey. Good morning. I am in mourning, speaking of mourning. Are you? Yes, for Roos Bolton. <laughs> I am, in fact, forming an international committee to force Melisandre to resurrect oh, Roos Bolton. Oh, good one. Dude, did you think that was going to happen? Did that well, blow your mind? Well, in retrospect, yeah, right? <laughs> our, uh, Roos was pushing it a bit. With uh, his insane son, Ramsay, saying, oh, yes, well, I've got this other son now who's a tiny, helpless infant. So clearly, <laughs> you're in trouble. We don't need you anymore. Oh, my. Don't you be saying that to a psychopath. Yeah. Okay, so we will get to that eventually, right? But this week on the podcast, just to clarify, we are recapping Season 6, Episode 2. What was this one called, Tricia? Home. 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 Several people <laughs> very definitively say they either want to go home Yes. Or they miss home. There's yes. a lot of homesickness. There is. For no good reason. There's no place that anybody <laughs> wants to go that is worth going to. Am I right? I mean, like, I mean, Theon, their own childhoods like and in innocence. Life yeah. Or in Westeros. Well, and, and no, I'm not making this yet into a larger <laughs> philosophical argument about the, the pointlessness of all human endeavor. We'll get to that by the end of the season. I'm just talking about <laughs> Westeros. Like when, like when Theon says, I'm going home. And then we cut back. Oh yeah, man. yeah. The yeah. Iron Islands were. Why it is would anyone even want to be there? Bleaker, wetter, and more murderous than perhaps any place else. I called it Wet Dorn in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good, Trisha. Okay, so we actually are going to start with Bran and the flashbacks beyond right? the wall. But yeah, we do want to leave what happened actually at the wall till the end. So we'll start with beyond the wall. What happened here? So we have the return of Bran, who's yes. who's gone through puberty, so basically. Yeah, it's like, oh, my Why? God. <laughs> he's like, he's a senior citizen discount. It's like, Bran, you're going for the early bird special. It's like, what happened? Yeah, that Last, was shocking. It was crazy. All of a sudden, he's shaving. It's like, how did this happen? <laughs> And I think it's I, I think it's pretty cool that the TV writers have uh, come up with a device that's going to let us, especially the non-book readers of the TV show watchers, get any and all uh, missing backstory that may be existing in the world of the TV show because we now have flashbacks in it, the mind of Bran. If you were tired and didn't get up to turn off the TV right away, you would have seen a little <laughs> featurette about this episode. In which Wait, so you're saying you watched the featurette because you were tired? It was like I Peter. could I could get up and turn off the TV and go to bed, or I could just sit here and stare at the control, glowing Peter? screen. Yeah, man, you don't. It always was watch like the three feet away. <laughs> you always watch the featurette. I do always watch the featurettes, but I'm saying that I just sort of let it roll. And uh-huh. Mr. Benioff, the one of the two showrunners, explained that they never wanted to do flashbacks because it's lame. Flashbacks are lame. Sure. Have a character look into the. Imagine Ned Stark from the first season looking up into the air and stroking his, <laughs> and then all of a sudden. But as he pointed out, now, because you're having these visions, Bran can, and as the New York Times recapper pointed out, in a kind of Christmas Carol-like way, yeah. can yeah. go revisit the past with his spiritual guide, Max von Sydow, who, can I say, I mean, those are, that's cool. I'm totally for that. I, this is a great notion to do a backstory. Uh, we're coming up in the Tower of Joy, book readers. Yay. 
don't they look ridiculous in that under underground tree root set? <laughs> yeah. Like there's Max von Sido sitting in like a really elaborate like like craftsman type chair made of antlers it looks like it's like dude no isn't it all the roots of the tree apparently that's what it is supposed to be but it just looks ridiculous (laughs) trisha you called it a tree cave in your notes i called it the raven cave (laughs) good we all have our own names for this (laughs) yeah and and it's also weird that even though they've established that this individual is the individual represented by brand's vision of the three-eyed raven Mm -hmm. do they have to keep calling him the three-eyed raven when he neither has three eyes nor is a raven can't they just call him like max or bob (laughs) or now that we've found him i mean is that what he says you know it's like when they have dinner presumably they have to eat they've been there for a while it's like so um and brand uh would you like some more three-eyed raven would you like seconds i don't think (laughs) it doesn't really flow in casual conversation is what i'm saying I thought it was really fun to see the younger versions of all of these characters. God, are they all dead? Yeah, all, all the characters you saw were dead. That was in the flashback. The three principal characters were the youngest one was Ned Stark, mm-hmm. who grows up to be Sean Bean and then dies. And then there's there's his older brother Benjamin Stark, who appeared in the first couple of ep- first episode or two of season one and then has disappeared long and ago. So, yeah, he's not necessarily but they're not totally all dead. dead, right? Hodor is not dead. Hodor is oh, not yeah. or That's Willis. What I was leading you mean? up to is Hodor. What you talking about, Willis? With all those words. <laughs> what you talking about, Hodor? Or the internet has made that already a thing, right? It, I just made it up, really. You're telling me that I'm behind? <laughs> anyway. And uh, and that was the the, the, the girl who wrote in um, in a Jane Austen-like fashion. You missed Peter's wrist movements yes. again in, with the, the In the saddle always. Uh-huh. Uh, that was Leanna Stark. Now, Leanna Stark was, among many other things, the cause of Robert's rebellion because – and. Can someone play like nerdy background music as I explain this? Robert's rebellion began when the crown prince, the son of Eris, the mad king, um, either kidnapped, absconded with, eloped or with? possibly eloped with Lyanna Stark, who was um, Ned Stark's older sister, who was betrothed to Robert Baratheon and everybody got really mad and there was a rebellion and people died and the crown prince was killed by Robert Baratheon with a hammer to the chest and then something like 18 years later the events of Game of Thrones began. So Lyanna Stark plays a very key role and as of now we don't know exactly what happened to her except she died at the Tower of Joy. I love knowing that Hodor, Willis and Lyanna were friends when they were children. I think that that's going to be really interesting for Bran to be able to maybe recover some of Hodor's memories as a way to, for us, the audience, uncover what happened in the past. It was pretty sweet to see that uh, Bran was really excited about that whole thing, right? Yeah. That that he loves Hodor very much and, and is now probably on a quest to figure out if he can sort of unlock Willis from Hodor, which I think in the world of the show would be kind of a strange, even in a world where people come back from the dead and there's magic and all those kinds of things, to have Hodor be Hodor for this long and then have him, like, mid-season be like, so the thing is, Bran, yeah. would be a little disconcerting. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see where uh, that goes. C- can I say something? <laughs> <laughs> is that his voice? Hodor? That's the voice of Hodor. Yeah, uh, it's Hodor. <laughs> Listen, uh, so yes, that'll be fun. We get to do a lot of fun backstory to the world of Game of Thrones with with, with this sort of Christmas Carol-like device and Max von Sydow, who's 87, I was yeah. reading. Yeah. So Trisha, you just said something that does remind me of a question that I think we both have, which is whether or not Bran is actually in the memories of Hodor or if he just is sort of able to access like past things. 
Right. Does he need a direct conduit to a memory or can he just go anywhere in the past? I believe the notion here is that Bran is being trained to use his inherent uh, warg-like abilities to go into other people's minds to expand his spiritual slash magical powers by the three-eyed raven guy to go back in the past and have visions of things that are beyond the memory of the people around him. That is, I believe, the implication. But I'm just pulling that out of my ass. Well, I Googled it last night. <laughs> Did and you here's now? the thing. <laughs> yes. So according to the internet. Yes, which is um, never wrong. <laughs> the Weirwood tree itself is sharing sort of its memories with oh. those who can tap into it. So there's a scene actually, if you go back to Osha and Bran sitting at the tree near Winterfell, their sort of their Weirwood tree there. You hear her say that the reason that Rob will be in trouble when he goes south is they cut down all the weirwood trees so the gods can't help the northerners right. when they get to the, the that south. There's a, that there's a the, the, that, that strange little creature with the funny like Star Trek Next Generation Vulcan makeup. That's how I her saw Her name it. is Leaf, and she is a child of the forest. She is the child of the forest. And that Trisha was the, is a goddess. You are. <laughs> and apparently those people, that race of beings, uh, were sort of mystical beings who used to live there before the men showed up, the first men, and the Andals that we hear about when we mention the title of the king. And uh, they have they use these weirwood trees as a kind of an intelligence network. They could listen through the trees. It's kind of like Avatar, right? Don't the trees kind <laughs> of do Don't ever say Avatar? that again. <laughs> <laughs> it is nothing like Avatar. <laughs> Avatar is bad. This is good. Fair enough. I'm not a big enough fan of Avatar to defend it. No one, <laughs> no one is actually no one is. a fan of yeah. Avatar. Everybody in the planet went and saw that movie and nobody liked it. We just went because we had to. <laughs> okay, let's go to town. It's time. Time to go to town. Time, time to go to town. To Meanwhile, in town, whenever you say that, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but I, and I don't know if they still do it, but in the old days, the, the Hollywood Reporter and Variety, the trades, used to have these little news bits at the end of their columns, and it would talk about who was in town and who had left town. <laughs> this dates from the day when getting out to L.A. was a big deal, two-week two train sure, trip. Sure, sure. So it would be like, you know... Yeah, uh, see? So you know, it would be like, today, arriving on the Century Limited, it's Van Dyke Parks, or whoever it was. <laughs> um, and so when I, I think about that, whenever you used to call in town, I imagine, like, you know, the, the trade paper in King's Landing... You know, perfect. And they're saying today, you know, Littlefinger has arrived in town <laughs> yeah. in the Forecloth Wheelhouse. Good. Or whatever That's it may actually be. quite yeah. fitting. Right. I like it a lot. Okay. That sounds good. So we have this drunk guy who says a lot of scintillating things. About this Cersei. is so great. Was that your favorite? Peter? <laughs> it was my favorite, but for a reason you guys may not know. Um, Lena Headey, when she was interviewed on, on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, we talked about her walk of shame, and I brought up that guy. Do you remember yeah, that, that guy, guy. who stems up and sort of. Flashes Wait, himself? Well, flashes is not an active enough verb for what he does. <laughs> he kind of waves himself. And I talked to Lena Headey about this guy, and she, she told me a story, which I assume is true, of like meeting him at craft services. <laughs> and she says, oh, what do, what do you do here in the set? He says, I'm, I'm here to, to flash my winky at you. you know? oh, boy. And I love the fact that that guy then got a scene out of it. Because <laughs> I, mean, I, I was thinking, the joke was, you know, my standard joke, which is what, in quit show business? Like, mm-hmm. hey, have you guys heard him on Game of Thrones? Watch quickly. It's in the walk of shame. No, he got a whole scene out of it. And I was like, good for you. Formerly make it actor. And of all the ways to die, getting, you know, destroyed by the reanimated mountain is pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, man. I thought the the levels of effortless murder that occurred in this episode were pretty great. Like yeah. that moment when the giant just like one one yeah. one plucks, one. when one one plucks that dude out and like throws him against the wall and that's it. it we're jumping great. ahead, but you remind. I found out this from a, a fine um, uh, recap in the New York Times uh, Monday morning. 
uh, that one one the giant the guy who plays one one no what did Ooh, you, oh, I have a I have a bit fact. and you have a bit yep. my bit is this <laughs> that one one was named by George R. R. Martin in the books for Phil Sims the New York Giants quarterback <laughs> whose uniform number was 11, 1-1. One, one. Oh and we all knew God. that George R. R. Martin is a huge New York football fan. In fact, we did uh, all fact, know that. No, he, there's a there's a moment in I think it's the fifth book where a, a, a very minor off screen, I guess you'd say, character who's named after Bill Belichick. Uh, gets killed because he doesn't like Bill Belichick. <laughs> but I did not know that One One the Giant is named for for Phil Simms' uniform number. What do you know about One One the Giant? So this actually might be a different giant, but apparently he's played by this guy named Neil Fingleton who is seven seven. No, and they just put this body cast on him to make him even bigger, and then made him look even bigger. That's yeah. fabulous! Isn't that insane? Yeah. It, th- uh, can I say that there's an amazing array of body types? Yeah, that's and, true. There's actors of all shapes and like. How do you cast the guy who plays young Hodor? We're looking for a 20-year-old <laughs> actor who's 6'5 and... Shops in Sears Husky Department. Exactly. And like, That's what it used to be called. Yeah, can you imagine... Good word for Hodor. I, can you, have you ever been around a casting session at a, where they're casting, say, um, beautiful young women for you know swimsuit girl number three, say, and so the hallway is lined with beautiful young women, or they're casting nerdy guy who's the computer programmer roommate, and the hallway outside the casting session is filled with nerdy little guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Peter Cycles. Yeah. Yes, exactly. No, in fact, that was a specific reference to the very brief period of time when I was an actor in Hollywood, and I showed up at that casting session. Can you imagine what the casting session looked like for young Hodor? Awesome. Can you imagine the strain on the floorboards as all those incredibly enormous young men were standing there? Well, apparently this dude who played the giant, I'm not sure if it's 1-1 again, just to clarify, but apparently he went in and tried out for the mountain. And they were like, you're not quite right for the mountain, but like, we're going to keep you in our pocket. We're going to keep you in our back pocket. We might come up with something for you. Yeah. Amazing. Anyway, where were we? We got all lost. We're in town. We're We're in in King's Landing. Let's just zoom through the Lannisters being a little whiny. A little whiny. Yeah, man. So we have Tom and whining to his dead uncle, Jamie. We have Dad Uncle. I, I Dunkle. Was his Can we Dunkle. call him Dunkle Jamie? Yeah, yeah, Dunkle Jamie works. It's better than Ud. <laughs> Uncle like Dad. <laughs> I have a couple things about that. First of all, I'm glad that what bothered me bothered Tommen, which is why didn't you do anything about the fact that the church had just kidnapped and imprisoned both your beautiful wife and your beloved mother? Yeah. He bothered mm-hmm. him too. Also, does Tommen always have to wear his crown? Uh-huh. Also, what is it doing to his head? Yes. <laughs> it's not a good look. I mean, I thought, I mean, I don't know from royalty, but I thought you just put on the crown when you're being an official person, you're sitting in your throne. I Do you imagine, have to though, wear it all day? Your sister's funeral, you would be sort of in your formal dress. Though, yeah. Right? Even though there was nobody else there, which was weird. Yeah. Yeah. The faith militant, maybe it's kind of like where you're like, we don't celebrate birthdays. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it feels like they just like, they suck the so ritual. The faith fun militant out of... is like a mean spin. Aunt, is that what you're saying? Yeah, like, we had no birthdays in this. Yeah, oh, there God. used to be like aggressive Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have, you know, Cersei who has been relegated to the Red Keep. She's not even allowed yeah. to go to the funeral. Yeah. And then Tommen comes and apologizes. And then there's this really uncharacteristic you, hug. Yeah, that hug yeah. was creepy. I just yes. find anyone hugging on Game of Thrones unsettling. Well, that's because of what happens the next hug we see, which that's is true. which is Roos and Ramsay. We'll, it is we'll rare to get an embrace that doesn't involve either uh, sexual activity or a murder. It's <laughs> true. Welcome, welcome to Westeros. They're usually hugs with benefits to someone. <laughs> <laughs> or detriments. We do need to talk about how remarkable that scene was between Jamie and the High Sparrow, though, right? I mean, yeah. it was. I thought it was really interesting just to see the fact that like here's Jamie and he's ready to call bullshit on this guy right he's like what's about my sins 
I broke a sacred oath and stabbed my king in the back. I killed my own cousin. When the gods judged my brother guilty, I helped him escape that justice. What atonement do I deserve? What? I don't care about, you know, yeah. like this, you're not, you're not special. Yeah. Like I can, I can take you and then like the, the tides shift so quickly in favor of the High Sparrow. I know. Scene. It's because the High Sparrow has guys. And as he says, go on then. I deserve it. We all do. We are weak, vain creatures. We live only by the mother's mercy. So but it's, if they donate $27 each, then we can give the crown the, a run the for analogy, The analogy continues to the whole Bernie Sanders thing. Because I think, it's like, yeah. And then that, that, that's sort of like, then we overthrow an empire. It's like, you know, yes, I seem to be this harmless old man, but I am actually angling to be in charge of this whole thing. That's Bernie Sanders. I forget whose recaps it is that does this. It might be Entertainment Weekly. They actually call the character Bernie Sparrow, which I like a lot. <laughs> oh, Just in all the recaps, that's, really that's what good. they call him. So to what extent is the end game in King's Landing, like the High Sparrow doesn't actually want to be king, right? Like, isn't he winning right now I where he's know. like I, in charge of Tommen, essentially? Yeah, and I then, think, you know, Cersei's locked up and Jamie's scared. Like, I, that's the ideal, he, he's, isn't it? He's a real, I mean, I love the way Jonathan Price is playing him. I love the way that he's written because he comes across as, in a Bernie-like way, as he's this very kind old man. When we see him, he's always barefoot. And when we first met him, he was feeding the poor. Well, he's kind of disheveled. And he's very disheveled. <laughs> and he doesn't look or act at all like all the other players in Westeros who are trying to be in charge. But it turns out he actually wants to be in charge. That it's not for nothing that uh, when he decided to go after sinners in King's Landing, instead of, say, guys who are waving their winky at people, he went for the two most powerful women who have leverage over the most powerful man. He knows what he's doing is what I'm saying. Right. I'm just curious if he actually like literally wants to be the guy in charge or if he's happy being be- behind the scenes pulling all oh, the strings. Oh, I think he wants know? to be in charge. You think he I think, wants I think, to sit on the fact, Iron Throne? I think I, sitting on the Iron Throne is uncomfortable. Uh, he's wearing just a cotton <laughs> shift. I don't yeah, think that would But see? I think he wants to be in charge. I mean, he, that last line of his, you know, there's th- th- we are so small and weak and yet together we can overthrow an empire. Yeah. I think that was an indication of, of motivation. I think he's saying what he wants. So you think he's not going to drop out of the Democratic primary? I don't think so. I think that if this were a musical at that moment, he would have broken out into what we call the I want song. Yes, he would have. I want to to run a theocracy. I want to have the church in charge of everything. That didn't rhyme. I was hoping those two lines you just said would It would be something along the lines like, I'm not throwing away my... I can't come up with a pun that rhymes with shot in time. Um, I'm sorry. Man, I know. I'm not throwing away my shift. I'm just like my country. I'm old, skinny, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shift. All right. That's not bad. That was the Hamilton reference for today. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. Check that box. All right, quickly to Marine, where we're having a senior staff meeting. (laughs) (laughs) And they all seem so unhappy. Well, yeah, things aren't going well. Their queen is still gone. Their ships are burnt. Let's see. What else in the status update? Oh, Slaver's Bay is back to the slavers, oh, except no. in Marine. Yes. So, like, basically everything they tried to do has been undone. Right. And the dragons aren't eating. No, that's terrible. The hungry dragons. The hungry dragons. <laughs> Although, uh, is the byplay between Varys and Tyrion getting a little overtly comical? Yeah. Yeah, I make eunuch jokes. He makes dwarf jokes. I don't make dwarf jokes. You think them. them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Varys, who's on first? I mean, it's almost (laughs) on that level now. However, I did like that the opening quote from Tyrion in Marine was that thing about, like, if I didn't have a cock, I would drink all the time. Yes. I did find that humorous. I wrote it down in my notes. (laughs) 
as being humorous. <laughs> so, so, so let it be written in Greta's notes. So let it be done. And so then, I thought, I thought the cock. I mean, I thought the cock was. I mean, that's remember the last time he was like, "Well, you don't have a cock." Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah that getting one a little, was a little more aggressive. I mean, pointing out that someone does not have a cock is not necessarily making a joke about it. Yeah, it's, that's you're true. Indicating it. Yeah. You're not providing a humorous spin. Hey, I'm a professional comedian. Let and me with clarify this for And with Grey Worm there, it's, it's like, like a tough room for that joke. Like, like, no offense. <laughs> so that, that was actually funnier than anything else that happened. So Tyrion, we learn uh, from his interaction with the dragons as he monologues to try to calm them. Yes. I'm friends with your mother. I'm a friend of your Which mother. Which was hilarious. Yes, like, I'm here to The help. dragons are going to like, oh, in that case, don't eat him. Don't eat him. Don't eat the help. He's, he's a friend of mom's. But dragons could be smarter than humans. So well, that's what he says. So it's not necessarily unreasonable. I, yeah, I think so. So now what happens to the dragons is they get to go free and eat whatever they want, right? Because they were not uh, eating because they were sad and captured. And Tyrion warns everyone and, that they would become cat-sized in you know a matter of years. Waste if, away, yeah. Yeah. So Tyrion now has the dragons sort of on his side. Like, they owe him a solid, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> they do. I think that's good for that's Tyrion. Good phrasing, Trisha. I like it. <laughs> I think it is good for Tyrion. I mean, the, we wonder, are they going to eat babies again, right? That's what they, they did, did last a, time. They did a they couple of a eating kid. of babies. But now that they're bigger, babies are sort of like an amuse-bouche for them. Yes. So I think they will just stick to, like, livestock and stuff. So maybe we're okay with that. Yeah. Unless they need a snack, too. Right? Because the ram was what uh, Drogon had eaten, that yeah. Sir's lover boy had Sir's found. lover boy. Good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that one. And it's worth noting we actually saw no Danny, no or Danny, in this Jorah Grayscale, yes, or Sir's. Is Lover that what we're calling him now? No, are you calling him by his disability? Jorah that Grayscale. is so insitive of you. <laughs> Does it count My as God. a disability? I think so. I think. I mean, he, I guess I think either he gets way, to board it's, the plane it's an first. infectious disease yeah. at the least. You think yeah. they'll put him on the airplane first? With I think that? so. I think he can do pre-boarding. I don't think they should grayscale. let someone with grayscale on an airplane. Does that make me? Yeah, I know. It's too I, infectious. I what about grayscale <laughs> rights? Like... I can't believe how insensitive you are. That's like saying someone are... who's who's got like the most viral contagious thing should be put in the plane. No. You don't get to go on the plane I with. Think you are really is insensitive viral, to the grayscale though? community, or is it bacteria? I mean, but if. All right. It's neither because it's magical. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to Bravos. Okay. We okay. have places to be, things yeah. to discuss. Uh, not much happens here except that finally the faceless man says that she can come back inside yeah. because she resists the temptation of saying her name for shelter, food, or even her eyes back. And yes. he says, okay, well, then come with me. You're ready. Yeah. You're not a beggar anymore. I think she knew. I think she knew oh, all totally. she had to keep saying was, I don't know, I'm nobody, I'm nobody, and who's going to take no her name. back? I, I, and again, this is, I, I honestly think they should be meaner to Arya. I've said this before. Like, what does Arya need to do? They should have then cut to her sitting in the rain blind, and then he shows up to show that, like, she said, yep, I gave up, and now I am suffering and suffering and suffering. It did yeah, feel quick. Yeah. It, did, it, it, yeah. Was, it was too quick a turn. If like, I say no, he'll actually feed yeah. me. Yeah. It did feel a little ridiculous. All right, Greta, Peter, let's go to Winterfell. I wish one of the sponsors was the International Grayscale Awareness Society. <laughs> we'll, the we'll supportive people. Week. We'll reach out to them. With Grayscale <laughs> to try to spread understanding. Do they have a hotline? Yeah, exactly. Do you have Grayscale? You're struggling with Grayscale. I don't have Grayscale. I have sympathy for people with Grayscale. They is are it, our brothers and friends. Is it psoriasis, but worse? It is. It's very bad. <laughs> okay. It's itchy. <laughs> Makes you crazy. Anyway, moving on. Winterfell. Yes. 
Winterfell. Oh my gosh. We have been tiptoeing around it a little, mentioning it that we have uh, a bit of murder. Yeah. A bit of murder. <laughs> I am so sad. Somebody wrote in and said, you should never said it was your favorite character. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Michelatin, I think his name is. And uh, I, I'm all right to see him go because, first of all, the character deserved it. After all, as I said, that taunting of Ramsay, well, we won't need you anymore mm-hmm. um, because I've got this little helpless baby. Yeah, shut up, Bruce. Secondly, I made the mistake. This is always a mistake when you fall in love with a character is like watch an interview with the actor because it turns out Michael McLatton, if that's how you pronounce his name, is a very good actor. But he's just a guy. Who's very nice. <laughs> and I saw an interview where he was being interviewed by a German interviewer, which is always hilarious. Did you see it in German? No, I didn't. It was just a thick German okay. accent. So okay. tell me about Roos Bolton. That's not a German accent. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out he's just this very nice actor. And uh, what was really interesting is we know now he was talking about this upcoming season. And he knew what he could not tell her, which uh-huh. is that, you know, all this conversation about Roos Bolton and all about. Wait, it was, kind of char- it was a lady German? It was a lady German. Yes. <laughs> Was Sorry. pointless because he he knew what she didn't know was that he basically had an uh, episode and a half before his quick exit. So, I, but I'm still very sorry to see him go because he was such a fun character. This is where in my notes I had written hug, and I was like, okay, maybe Cersei and Tom and hug. And then when this hug happened between Roos and Ramsay, I was like, hug, hug all caps exclamation point question mark no way. No. And then it made much more sense because it was just for proximity for yeah, stabbing. Could you please actually read this verbatim because it's just so good? Oh, so these are my notes. It said hug. Really? Next okay. bullet point. <laughs> Next bullet point. Okay, hug was to facilitate stabbing. That makes more sense. <laughs> I think that's, that's really that's good. My notes from- the thing that really bums me out about Roos being dead is that he was the only one who could even remotely actually keep Ramsay in check. Right. Yeah. You Which, know, I mean, Ramsay was still really horribly behaved, but like, at least there was something. At least there was somebody telling him, don't be crazy, don't right. be dumb. Yeah. And in fact, the, the last thing that, that Roos said to him in the last episode is, you know, if you, oh no, do you say this episode or last episode? If you behave like a wild dog, people will episode. treat you that way. Yep. And that's a good point. Ramsey will probably now do some crazy, reckless things that will get him in trouble, or so we all hope. Yeah, I think go for it, Ramsey. Go ahead, go on up to the wall. I can't decide who I want to kill Ramsey now. I think one one is just really good at killing people at yeah. the wall now, so yeah. maybe him or Ghost, just for like some sort of uh, poetic, like eat, getting eaten by a wolf when yeah. you oh, use yeah, dogs. There's been some nice. foreshadowing yeah, since he likes nice. to feed people to dogs. So right. maybe Ghost kills him, or actually, you know, really though. We want Sansa to be able to do it herself. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. How much did you guys shudder when Lady Frey, or when Lady Bolton, I guess, handed over her Oh, God. I was just about to say, out of all the moments in now into six seasons, that may have been the most discomforting moment. Yeah. And all I could do was think, like, please don't do this. You get a shot. It's an actual live baby, at least in one of the shots. Please, please, I know it's fake. I know you won't actually kill any babies. Totally. Just like Sean Bean is well, live and well in the real world. We understand this. This is fiction. But please don't make me watch that. Please don't make me watch that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. They get eaten off screen. Much better. <laughs> oh, gosh. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate that. And only a couple things happen in the woods near Winterfell. So we have Sansa and Brienne doing a little catch-up chat. So Yeah, they talk Brienne, about Arya. They yeah. talk about where Arya may be. They talk about what happened at Winterfell. And then Theon basically realizes that Sansa is in good hands. That if he goes to the wall, John will probably kill him because he's that's why done he a left. Thing, right, I was trying to things. figure out. Yeah, he's there's nowhere safe for him. Actually, Sansa right. can be safe somewhere. Theon is not safe where Sansa is safe. So he asks to take a horse and go home. Which I guess horse gets you part of the way to the Iron Islands, but yes. he's going to need yeah, some other transportation like at some point. Take a long time, but I guess that's fine. He's he can be tangential. There's something about the passage of time which is somewhat confusing. Mm-hmm. For example. 
there's no time passed since the end of season five and the beginning of season six. You ended with John being stabbed. You started with John lying there in a pool of blood. Right. How much time has passed up with the three-eyed crow beyond the wall? Because well, obviously I mean, Bran has grown right. three feet. Well, we hadn't <laughs> seen Bran in all of season five, right? right? Yeah. So a, at least a year. You think? Was season the events of season six an entire year? I don't know if it was really an entire an entire broadcast year. Well, I know that, but is it like a year in Game of Thrones time? Because yeah, technically, I don't know it that. could be as little as nine hours, so or less, because so many things in the show happen presumably simultaneously. The no. scene happening in Marine is happening while the scene in Winterfell is happening. Yeah, right? but think about all the stuff that happened over season five. There was a lot of pretty boring traveling. In there was five. the long you know. journey that Varys and Tyrion had to take yeah. in the, what is it, a house? Yes. And Arya had to get to Bravo. Yeah. What are they called? I, well, I guess my point is not so much that no time has passed, but I don't know how much time has passed. Yeah, it is very yeah. confusing. That is fair. And now we're in the Iron Islands, which I forgot I was supposed to care about. Can I just say one thing quick about Sansa? Yeah. Please. Is it really horrible that I kind of want her and Podrick to get together? No, that no. sounds nice. Doesn't that sound nice? Podrick, My thought, we like, discussed that Podrick is a firm hold and second best person in the Westeros. Well, and like, you know, Theon leaving is like, all right, this opens up this possibility now. I just wanted to just I mean, she's been through there. some stuff, so I don't know I, if she's really yeah. like ready yeah, to put herself know, out like there. She may be looking for more of like a casual so you're, thing. You're sort of some thinking like, like Sansa and Podrick sort of like Gina Davis and Brad Pitt in Thelma and Louise kind of thing, like... They have a thing. Is this when I admit that I haven't seen Thelma and Louise? This, oh, this is when no. you do that. Go yeah. ahead and do that. No, I, have, I haven't well, seen Well, the Thelma listeners know what I mean. It's sort of a casual <laughs> encounter that sort of cheers her up a lot. Let's yeah, just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds nice. Brad Pitt. Yeah, I'm sure it was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Iron Islands, you forgot you were supposed to care. I still don't really care. Well, here's why I may care. I was like, Dorn is dumb, right? Last week we all talked about how... I think that there are sort of uh, a clear set of uh, people who are heading towards the end of whatever this journey is. Yeah. And mm-hmm. things like Dorne and things like the Iron Islands don't feel like they're going to play a major role because they've never played a major role so far. But and then I remembered that the White Walkers seem to have a problem with water. So maybe you would want the mm. fighters by sea on your side in whatever eventual battle is coming because they can handle things by sea that the land families can't. I don't think there's anybody on the Iron Islands with the possible exception of, uh, what do they call her, Yara? Yara, Yara. Who would be you would want on your side in any kind of dispute? <laughs> can we say, can we talk about the Iron Islands? This is one of the one of the kingdoms of Westeros, ancient seat of power for the Greyjoys. We do not sow is their house uh, slogan, their house words. And for all that they've accomplished in terms of That's weaving. That's a slogan, though. I don't know. In terms, of, <laughs> in terms of reaving rape, I mean, they're basically they're the Vikings of Westeros. They right. reave, yeah, they no, rape. I respect that. But they've done all that. So... They can't. They don't have. They don't have a better way to get from one castle to the other except an incredibly rickety uh, ladder between one tower and the other. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that rope bridge. The rope. I mean, come on. Have we no masons? <laughs> Trisha, I fully support your desire to call this wet dorn. That was I really think that's great. Brilliant. They look real. It looks like a really bleak and unpleasant place. Yeah, it does. And all so, I can think of when they were standing in the water for Balin Greyjoy's uh, wet funeral is like they must be cold. Wet funeral. Yeah. So, Peter, remind me, this storyline did happen in the book. Hugely right? important. Yeah. In fact, there's a lot. I think it's book. Uh, you the guys King's come, Moot, was that in book four? Even? I th- it was. I can't remember if it was book four or book five. Okay. But I th- I th- King's Moot is a funny word. King's Moot mm-hmm. is a funny word, and it is maybe an echo of the Ent Moot that we remember from Lord of the Rings. Mm. Um, but there is a, uh, I don't remember, but yeah, it is a huge thing. That, that in the books, Greyjoy, Balon, the father, died by falling off that bridge months and months ago 
earlier on, back when Melisandre was burning leeches and killing right. kings. And she took <laughs> credit Gendry's for it. Gendry's blood. Yeah, and she took credit for it. Like, you see? He's dead. That was me. I did that. Mm. But now it has happened now, thanks to her, his crazy brother. I think it's Euron Greyjoy, yep. I think we're told. And so, yes, there is a lot of plot in the books, one of the books that I presume we are now going to engage in. <laughs> okay. A lot of plot. A lot of plot. Can you know I continue calling him the Dread Pirate Roberts as I have been in my head for which the last? one? The pirate brother who has just yes. returned and when is they like, see I am the fl- drowned guy. I am the drowned you, you may call him the, the, the Dread Pirate Roberts. Okay, You thanks. may call him that. It is so. There will be no survivors. <laughs> <laughs> Another parallel between Dorne and Wet Dorne is possible Lady Uprising, right? Right. If yeah. Yara wins the king's moot or if she does something else to acquire power, we may now have more queens than kings in this. That would be exciting. I mean, the slogan of the show is all men must die. So with every woman that gains power, it seems like a pretty good bet that maybe she'll keep it for a little while. Speaking of women and perhaps <laughs> their perhaps their new role... Let's in get the patriarchy jingle ready, no, just I'm in just case. Saying, am I right, or are we now two whole episodes into Game of Thrones without a single pair of boobies? Those old boobs, dude. Oh. Remember? No, you're right. You're absolutely the right. The Red Woman, we see them boobs. pre and post pre and transformation. Post. You're right. I apologize. I withdraw the comment. But maybe, <laughs> but maybe a number of people are pointing this out online, is that maybe as women are finally coming to, into their own in a way that they never have on this show before other than being steaming and sexual yes which I guess is good (laughs) that's where the jingle goes (laughs) everybody quiet because Peter Sagal's got another goddamn opinion Right no, there. I mean, I mean, because what's her name? Uh, Ilaria Sand down in Dorne. She's unpleasant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cersei no, remains right. unpleasant. These are <laughs> not pleasant women, Fair. but they are no, women. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Trisha, this point about keeping score, we kind of just mentioned it, but I still think it's kind of interesting. Oh, right. So, Peter, you mentioned that uh, the Red Woman put the blood of, is it Gendry or Gendry? Gen- uh, Gendry? 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 Really? Gendry. I thought it was a soft I have G. problems with the Gs. Gendry is off. <laughs> Do, he's some, rowing. Somebody sent us a he's gif of Gendry for rowing. Three seasons now. Yeah, he's, <laughs> ro- he's rowing toward that motel where that guy is still sitting from the end of uh, Breaking Bad. But he is the bastard son of Robert Baratheon. Yes. And so the Red Woman uses his blood to cast a spell on the Usurper King. So we have Rob Stark dead. Yes. We have uh, Greyjoy dead. Balon Greyjoy dead now. And the third is Joffrey, also dead now. Yes. So her magic seems to be working pretty well in a couple of instances in this episode. Yes. So, which brings us to the wall. Yeah. It and does. Speaking of her magic Finally. working really well. Yeah. Here we are. So he's back. We knew he was coming back. We did. And I honestly thought it was rather clever of the writers that in t- instead to make it a big surprise, just to have Davos walk into her room and say, would you resurrect him, please? <laughs> yeah. We were all hoping you could do that. Earnestly asking for a resurrection. Because yeah, we were, I loved how obvious that was. I thought for some reason I figured it would be a little more understated. Yes. But, but imagine if they had tried it with like Melisandre saying, wait a minute, I have magical powers and I can resurrect him. And uh, everybody in the room would be like, what? That's crazy. You can't do that. That's what a crazy, amazing, surprising idea. <laughs> and all the millions of people watching it would have said, we saw it coming. We saw right. it coming for a year. Totally. So it made more sense to have Davos be thinking just as we were that Melisandre has done these things. As he points out, he's the guy who saw her do these crazy things with us. So basically Davos 
and us, the viewers, have the best insight into Melisandre's actual power. So it makes sense for him to say, hey, could you do that? Well, and the fact that she was in so much doubt about her own power, too, meant that she needed someone to kind of help egg her on and say, no, I'm pretty sure you can actually do this. I loved the line from Davos of, I'm not a devout man. And he basically says, drowned God, old God, new God, I don't care. I'm asking the woman who I've seen perform miracles, help my friend. Right. That was very nice. You know, it's a really wonderful moment where he's like, yeah, no, I'm not I don't care what the theology behind this is. Can you do it? (laughs) Right. Make it happen. I also really loved the moment when Melisandre is doing the healing thing. And, you know, there's like this long pause and nothing happens. And dude just like storms out angrily. I just thought it was really It was interesting to me that even though they've used special effects to indicate magic before, most spectacularly the shadow baby, uh, that they did nothing. There was yeah. no, the, the lights didn't even flicker. Mm-hmm. There was no like, rah, people looking around going, what's going on? <laughs> they, they depicted this resurrection, this act of magic, which probably surpasses any magic we've seen so far, with nothing, with just like a woman mumbling. In Valerian. Th- in Valerian, throwing hair, yuck, into a torch, doing nothing, doing stuff that we would imagine in this non-magical world would pass for a religious ritual which we would mm. not expect to have any real effect, such as resurrecting somebody. People have been giving Jon Snow guff for having such pretty hair season after season, but it sure came in handy last night. It did. Thank goodness. Um, and so it was interesting to me that that's how this in, this moment that everybody's been anticipating for all the reasons we've discussed, when it finally came, it, it was done with no special effects, no music, no nothing, just this woman mumbling. Everybody goes, oh, it didn't work. Ghost is so happy. Yeah. That was sweet. The ghost wakes up and he goes. <laughs> so what next? Is he still Jon Snow? Is he sort of a shell of Jon Snow? Is he, what is he now? Well, this is again an artifact of the lack of Lady Stoneheart. Yeah. Because with Lady Stoneheart, who as we've discussed ad nauseum is the resurrected Lady Catelyn Stark, who is utterly transformed into kind of a monstrous zombie lady. We don't have a precedent for what it's like to be brought back except for Lord Barry, as we discussed, right. who I think should have his own breakfast cereal. <laughs> it's Lord Barry Berries. Um, and we don't know. He seemed fine. He's like, oh, man, I'm pretty wiped out having been resurrected seven times. Maybe that's it. He was like, whoa, gosh, my knife wounds hurt. <laughs> and that's it. Who right, because he doesn't heal. Because Lord Barry Berries... Yeah, he ha- has an eye patch. Yeah. You know, he doesn't sort of regenerate like the doctor would in no. Doctor Who. He has to keep carrying all his own wounds with him. I, I will reference something really obscure, which is, um, <laughs> which is, yeah. So, how really, Peter? Yeah, is that something I'm you're going to so do? I'm so surprised to hear you say Some that. Some years ago, right when the show was starting, uh, John Hodgman, of all people, did a podcast interview with George R. R. Martin, hmm. and they talked about resurrecting characters, which George R. R. Martin does more in the books than we've seen uh, in the TV show. And one of the things that Hodgman pointed out to George R. R. Martin is that you can come back, from, you come back from the dead in Game of Thrones, and it changes you. And George R. R. Martin said, "Yes, don't you think it should?" Yeah. To the extent that, yeah, this is not like, oh, I was sick and I woke up. I was dead, and he was dead. For, he was dead to the point where I began to wonder when there was going to be a joke about the smell. Right. And, yeah. You know, in in real life, as was mentioned by uh, Cersei in the last episode, bad things happen to dead people in terms of their appearance. <laughs> yeah. And we were getting to the point where that sort of stuff should have started happening to John. He'd been there for a whole day. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. that cold. Yeah. Uh, and yet now he's back. So I hope there are some ramifications as opposed to just, hello. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, th- I guess the way I'm picturing it is that he's especially having become a member of the Night's Watch, he already had sort of a level of disconnect yeah. 
from not only the Starks, but just sort of, I think, all of the things that were happening outside of Castle Black, right? And I imagine that that disconnection is going to be even more severe. Like See, but I, I think the opposite. You think he's going to have more feels? Because, well, he has, the next episode is called Oathbreaker, and his oath is until death. So he can't own any lands or can't Ooh, be sort of a political figure he, once he's taken the black. He also can't have sex, and he's been doing that left and right. But I think the idea is now that there's actually nothing to get in the way at all of him being king of the north because yeah, his oath is broken by his death. And so okay. now he could be. That's an interesting point. I would like that more. For that is. Sure. I think what you'd need That's at that point Trisha. is you'd need Sir Beric Bernstein, <laughs> Westeros lawyer. And he'd show up. Does Sam say, come back as a lawyer? Meister? No, he could. He'd come back as, let me explain. He'd say, Your Honor, let me explain why the oath is no longer valid. Of course he's Jewish. I'm sorry. And he's being played by Kevin Pollack in your exactly. impression. Exactly. He's being played by Kevin Pollack. He's like, excuse me, my lord, I have some points here. <laughs> We're going to talk about some of your audience questions in just a minute. We'll be right back. So we've heard from a lot of you with your questions and comments and notions about these last couple of episodes of Game of Thrones. Yes. One that I thought was pretty interesting was we got a couple of questions on Twitter about the shape of the blood stain behind Jon Snow's head. Yes. Was it a crow? Was it a dragon? Some winged creature? Any opinions? Or just blood. Way? Yeah, I was kind of like, snow. I feel like it's just blood, but I guess I can't criticize absolute, anybody for overreading. Absolute horse pucky. Horse pucky. You think it was horse pucky? I think it was. Uh, no, I think that it was. I think this. I think people uh, said the guy who does a weekly podcast yeah, about a TV show. People have too much time on okay. their hands. All right. I think that's ridiculous. Fair enough. Okay, let's take a listen to this voicemail. Hi, my name is Roxy, and I just really have to say that where Melisandre was at, she was in John's old room, and you could tell because she looked at the at the chair where she first tried to have sex with him and he denied her. I think it really shows, like, her, her sadness and the idea that she was too late. Like, she was wrong in everything. So I just wanted to clarify that. I love your guys' show. I listen to it every Monday, and I, and I can't wait to hear the next show. Thanks. Bye. That makes sense. That would be a nice thing for them to do, to give the nice lady the Lord Commander's suite. I think so. Yeah. I think that's although, true. Although it does raise the question of what time it was when she went to bed in the last episode and why didn't anybody else go knock on her door Yeah, in all this this turmoil going on at Castle Black. But kind of cool insight from Roxy the listener. Thank you, Roxy the listener. And you can call us too with insight or questions or whatever you like. 312-948-4687 is the number to call. So we also heard from a lovely human on Twitter. This is from Christine Adslp, who says, I think the call widows are going to be badass, free of the Dothraki patriarchy, like the women at the end of Fury Road. That would be very cool. Wouldn't that be, very that cool. be awesome? If that anybody, would be really exciting. If anybody, now, these women are supposed to stay there. That's their gig, yeah. is they stay, and they're sort of the reigning crone priestesses of... Crone priestesses. You know, <laughs> I believe that's what they're called. They're called crones in the book. And if anybody could rouse them to rebellion... It would be our Danny. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. We'll I think we're going to see that next week yes, based there, on the next on a, Game of Thrones. Yeah, there, there was this shot of her being marched into this, in this enormous horse hmm. statue. I don't watch those. <laughs> I'm a purist. You watch as little as I'm possible. A, 
You, you don't like the actual I show. Why would John you, Resurrect. Why I would you like, torment yourself with coming attractions? <laughs> for the record, I would like to say that I actually really enjoyed this episode. I think what what really works for me is to have exceptionally low expectations. Yes. And then every once in a while, I'm pleasantly surprised. This this works in almost every kind of human relationship, by the way. <laughs> All right. I like that prediction from Christina. If you have predictions, want to call in 312-948-4687 or tweet at us. We're at Nerdette Podcast. He's at Peter Sagel. You can also find us at nerdatpodcast.com. The show is produced by us with help from our WBEZ cohort, especially Joe Dassault and Robert Anderson. Thanks also to our interns, Maya Cole and Seabird Mallard. Our executive producer is Joel Meyer. I just had a great idea. What? When Game of Thrones ends, because it has to, a Roos Bolton prequel in the vein of Better Call Saul. Yeah. Like Better Call Roos. <laughs> so we get back Roos. Michael McLatton. And he gets to be evil, but kind of classy. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think, you know, I, TV show characters who have been fan favorites have gotten their own spinoffs before. Why not? That's why we have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because everybody loves Clark Gregg from right. the Avengers. Exactly. You know, so, hey, it's Roos. <laughs> You'd rather have Roos than Ned? You think yeah. Ned's too oh, boring? yeah, Ned's boring. Although we are getting Ned back. Did right. you see that? We're getting a young Ned. In, oh, is uh, that next in week's, the, is in that next in week's spoilers Tower of Joy? Mm-hmm. That's the Tower of Joy. <laughs> Every time I say Tower of Joy... You don't know what I'm talking about, but all the book readers nod grimly. And those who have spent a lot of time on Wikipedia also know. Yeah, man. That's me. The internet tells us. We know. Our theme music is composed by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. You can listen to us wherever you're listening to us because, in fact, you already are listening to us. But we would appreciate if you subscribed on iTunes or followed us on NPR One or Stitcher or whatever. Just search for Nerdette Recaps. Throw some stars and write a review if you're feeling generous like the excellent Eatsy did on iTunes. Thank you, Eatsy. I like it. Eatsy. <laughs> Eatsy. All right, till next week. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause. And rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.